You're listening to Vibrant Visionaries, and I'm your host, Heidi Bennett. Welcome, friends old and new. On season three of the podcast, we've expanded out onto YouTube. You can find Vibrant Visionaries at VibrantVisionaries.com and also on the Vibrant Visionaries Network on YouTube. On Vibrant Visionaries, I often interview fun, funny, compassionate creatives, filmmakers, artists, cartoonists, comedians, musicians, all sorts of multi-creative individuals. I also like to pop on on my own and share some mindfulness tips as well to help boost your creativity and banish burnout. You can find out more about me and what I do when I'm off the mic at HeidiBennett.com. And now on with the show. Hey, everybody, this is Heidi Bennett of the Vibrant Visionaries podcast, now on YouTube, the Vibrant Visionaries Network. And I've invited on my internet buddy who I've actually hung out with in person. She's an incredible artist. She is a letterer. She is an illustrator. She does amazing paper mache. And she's one of my favorite Instagram folks and favorite folks in general. It's Agnes Barton Sabo. Agnes, welcome to Vibrant Visionaries. Thank you for having me. I have a Lizzo t-shirt. <laughs> and every once in a while when I put it on, I go, ah, Agnes. Agnes told me about Lizzo. <laughs> Do you remember that? that? Time. <laughs> we met at XOXO Fest um, in Portland in 2018. And yeah, can you tell me a little bit about um, just your experience either that year or just XOXO in general? Because that year in particular, my first time going the special secret guest ended up being Lizzo. And you had an idea that that was cooking. Well, I had been tuned into Lizzo a little earlier than anyone else I know, if I may say so, which is so cheesy. But I was a big fan of her from the moment I heard about her, which I, I'm not even, I don't even remember how I learned about her. But my only experience with XOXO had been the very first year they did it. They had sort of a craft marketplace where they invited people to sell their art. And uh, I knew one of the Andes from other craft shows I had done in Portland. So I was just in the marketplace and didn't experience the rest of the conference at that time. And I had sort of forgotten about it for a few years. So that was an exciting day. And I think that I knew just enough lyrics that they were sneakily referencing in their teaser announcements that I figured out it was her earlier in the day. <laughs> That's definitely a time to remember. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And I, I was like coasting off of your excitement, even though I hadn't, <laughs> didn't know who she was yet, you know, and became a big fan, of course. Well, what a nice moment to make new friendships also in the midst of such high energy and positivity. And yeah, totally. Yeah, it was Well, really not fun. forget the people I sat next to during that moment. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to have you on because I'm just absolutely in love with everything you do. I've bought t-shirts from your Etsy and some of your stickers. And my uh, nephew Wyatt is a big fan of your stickers. I sent some to him and he absolutely just giggled at them. I think I shared a little video snippet or photo, at least, of him, like uh, 
getting all excited about your stickers. <laughs> There's so much like love for humanity and playfulness and color and, and a real sharing of just like what your values are, what is important to you. And these are two questions like what inspires you, which is a lot of different things, obviously. And maybe how you choose your projects and like what you want to do creatively. You said a few key words that make me really happy that I feel like my messages are getting across because I'm definitely concerned with joy and connections between people. But also I think the fact that art that we create demonstrates what our values are is so important. And I just did an interview with a young woman who was writing her dissertation on art produced during the Spanish flu pandemic and art produced over the past year during this pandemic. And she said something to me at the end, like, I noticed your work is decisively unpolitical. Did you intentionally decide to avoid politics? And I said, excuse me? I don't think art is ever apolitical. I think because it demonstrates what we value, it's at the heart of those kind of conversations. And so I am happy to uh, tell you and have you understand that I think joy is important. I think laughter is important. I think moments of happiness, however fleeting, in the midst of one of the most, probably the most hateful and destructive presidential administration, times of intense global stress, horrible violence and white supremacists and all that nastiness, like we have to keep going. And creation is part of that survival creating things that lighten each other up just enough to keep going as part of that survival. And I think that's essential. So on good days and bad days, I hope that most of what I create brings forth some of those little morsels of joy and is uplifting and shows us or reminds us how we're all connected. And some people may take that as face value and think it's a funny drawing of food with a face on it, and that's fine. But I think also things that are familiar, such as food, often for myself, are a great common ground that makes the discussion open to anyone. And it's not elitist. It's not exclusive. It doesn't have to be highbrow, but moments of sharing food with our friends or nourishing each other in literal or metaphorical fashions are something that everyone has some relationship to, I think. And if we can connect and laugh over something at that level, then maybe we open up the conversation to talking about bigger things and what that reflects and what else that could look like for our future. Both my parents were artists, so that was always a part of how we lived our lives, how I solved problems, entertained myself, soothed myself, expressed my feelings, whatever. So I'm trying to think about early influences that are still evident mm -hmm. in what I create. My dad was definitely super into Dada and surrealism. So I definitely have always had an appreciation for absurd and also making everyday objects ridiculous. <laughs> um, but also I think pop art, like tons of Andy Warhol or Klaus Oldenburg's giant food sculptures. I also remember being pretty young and seeing Merritt Oppenheim has a work that's like a teacup covered in fur. 
and there was an object in the hallway of um, my dad's office. He was an art professor at a university and there was an art object in the hallway that was some bizarre ceramic cup. So a constant presence of things that were taking everyday objects, but creating discussions about them, making them weird, making them ridiculous. So that's, that's definitely an enduring tendency. So I think always food and popular culture are always things that my brain is churning around and trying to comment on or make into something else. That's, that's the obvious part, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I'm listening and I'm just thinking about how, you know, I've heard this in like storytelling, whether it's like filmmaking or television or, or any kind of art, how being specific can make things universal and 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 mm-hmm. how you can be specific in, and I'm looking I'm glancing down at your Instagram just for inspiration but like whether you read the text or not even a picture of you holding a huge baguette or a big piece of sourdough or whatever that is it's like that's universal to people whether they're lovers of sourdough or gluten sensitive or don't you know but it's just like it's an image that just brings you in because most of us would know like what that smells like what that tastes like how that cuts like and then if you read in it you get a sweet sentiment and an idea that's around Lady and the Tramp and how we're all apart, but you hope that we can be together. And so there's more to the story there. And I've noticed like uh, when I scroll back and I think about, you know, different ideas or things you've shared, like I really remember this one where um, you talk about a specific moment in uh, watching one of the seasons of... um, of Great British Bake Off when there were a couple of women that were eliminated that to me were some of my favorite uh-huh. contestants. And it was just fascinating. Now, we're like, this doesn't happen with every single thing you post. Sometimes you post people, I'm like, I don't, a portrait of someone, I, I don't even know who they are. And that's fine too. But with that specific one, I remember going, like, yes, there's somebody else out there that's thinking like, Oh, well, I'm not going to read everything you wrote, and I don't even remember. I just remember you you sharing that image to me meant somebody else is watching this around the same time, and maybe thinking, "Oh, what a bummer that these two people got eliminated because they had such personality and style, and it seemed odd that they got eliminated, or they were fun to watch." And and I have recently been talking about doing this YouTube channel, the Vibrant Visionaries Network, and and even with the podcast expanding on more of what I enjoy because I was feeling like even though there's a lot of uh, variety of guests that I have on, I still feel like I get locked into certain themes or sort of repeating myself. And even when you think about like people telling you to market yourself, whether like for me as a coach or as a creative entity or somebody that's like trying to put something out in the world, like you have a specific style and, and certain things where I can recognize what you do. But I love the variety, and I think I'm just trying to reconnect to myself. Hey, you're multi-creative. You're multi-passionate. Share the variety of your interests. And of course, I would be telling my clients this, so I'm really having to remind myself because that's why I I started the YouTube channel, because I like a visual medium. I like I'm going to be doing cooking demos. I like 
the idea of like as as the world opens back up going out to uh, boutique interesting hotels or going to artisan and craft fairs and going to events and and bringing those in and showing the world my lens and and I've enjoyed doing it as a podcast but I love the idea of just expanding and expanding and anytime I try to narrow it down it always feels so uncomfortable and like I'm cutting off my own arms. So I really, I'm inspired by the fact that you share what you're into. You certainly share other artists and their work. And you also share something that changed and added exponential joy to my husband and I's lives, which you mentioned that you're watching or binging or something, Taskmaster. And somehow that had not been on my radar, even though it's like so in my wheelhouse. So that's one of the things I wanted to talk about. But is there anything else in response to what I just said that that you want to comment on? Or we can just start talking yeah, about Yeah, but I bet I could loop it all into Taskmaster because <laughs> awesome. it's all connected. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I totally relate to what you're saying about not wanting to narrow your focus or, you know, confine yourself to one format too much. And I know sometimes I've struggled with that. And over the past several years, I've mostly focused on illustration and lettering, and that was a very unique skill set for a while. And then over the past few years, everybody's getting iPads and everybody uses Procreate and has the same awesome brushes from True Texture Supply. And there's just so much of it out there. I really felt like I was struggling to figure out what my special niche is or what I contribute to that. So I remind myself to come back to you know, the bigger messages, the connecting threads through everything I've done. I, a picture came up on like my Facebook memories that was cheesy of when I was in college and I worked at a record store and I had my employee photo taken in between Beck and the Beastie Boys. And I remember so specifically when people would ask me what my favorite artists were, I would talk about Beck and the Beastie Boys. And one of the distinct things that I remember celebrating about them, even at that time, is every album they put out was something different. They were never afraid to reinvent themselves. And just because something was successful, they didn't try to do that again. They did something else. So a big part of staying creative over this past year and all its associated stress and chaos was trying to give in to inspiration wherever it pops up, especially shifting to paper mache a lot, which sort of came out of anxiety about doing something really cheap that wouldn't cost money. And also concern over how much garbage and recycling we're producing when we're staying at home and ordering everything online. So I had these things that were bothering me and it was sort of a matter of, okay, how can I make art and deal with those things? And also I'm a high anxiety person, a perfectionist at times. And having to surrender to materials that are not consistent or predictable, like how soggy cardboard is going to warp when it dries, really was a challenge for me. And it became a matter of, okay, we're going to give in to trying to perfectionist this into who knows what, and just whatever happens is going to happen. I'm going to try to pay more attention to my intuition I collected suggestions from folks on my Patreon, said, okay, we're, I'm fantasizing about when we can have a dinner party again. What are you bringing? And just use those as starting points. And I haven't 
made all those objects, but I feel so glad that I was able to make that shift and that somehow it kept sustaining enough inspiration to keep going. And it's waxed and waned a little bit, but really still has me feeling stoked and connected to my community and thinking about all of the things that ridiculous food objects can reflect when we have big conversations about community care and mutual aid and And that is why celebrating lateral thinking and trying things all different ways gives me a deep, deep appreciation for Taskmaster as well, (laughs) which I learned about totally by accident from another internet friend who I share many interests with. She texted me early in pandemic times, have you seen the show Taskmaster? And once I started, I was hooked, obviously. For one, it's an absolute joy and I love them all, but also it really, you know, reminds me how cool it is to challenge myself to think differently and all the diversity of approaches, the way everyone else tries things out. And that's so celebrated both for entertainment value and, and otherwise. So it has been a great, great source of entertainment and good feelings. Yeah. And for maybe you could help me fill in the gaps here too, for for folks who haven't discovered Taskmaster, it was started as something that was part of, it sounds like uh, developed for or developed and put out during Fringe Fest and then turned into a show and then is available also on YouTube. I'm really shortening it. So, you know, feel free to help me fill in the gaps, but it's comedians competing against each other, doing these very ridiculous tasks. And yes, so one of the things I love about it is I always just love watching comedians talk and play off of each other. But then each one is working on the task using their own unique brain. So they're trying these different things and they're competing against each other, but some of them take it kind of seriously. Other ones go off the rails and it seems like, oh, they don't even care if they win at all. Like it's just just so many different approaches. And then sometimes I go, oh, yeah, it seems like the people that are a little bit older, they have a tendency to go this way. And then the next episode, that will be totally out the (laughs) the window. But and then, of course, you've got the taskmaster himself, and then his assistant and his assistant is actually the person who developed the whole show. But yeah, what do you think you could, how can you help me describe it a bit more to folks? Well, one of the things I heard about the origin story of Taskmaster was there was a year where Alex Horn, who's the creator, couldn't be at Edinburgh Fringe. And so he had come up with tasks or sent them to his friends as a way to be participating and creating something when he couldn't be there because he felt left out. So he was trying to concoct this long distance. So I thought that was cool to think about especially during quarantine. And when I got into it, I actually discovered I had seen some previous videos. At the beginning of quarantine, he set up home tasking where he created tasks and people from all over sent in videos. And some folks I know in Alaska had been in one of the videos. So mm. how do we describe what the tasks are? Because they're, for, they're you know, they, they're everyday, very normal things like eating things in a certain amount of time. Then they're also building and constructing things. And then there's different rooms in this house where it's all filmed and the caravan. And it's interesting what parameters, like even if it's something so simple, set up this 
Yeah, and I was thinking for some of the things that they do are like they're always reading the task, and then sometimes it's simply how they interpret reading it and then looking at the the visual clues. This won't spoil anything because you won't really know until you're watching it, but like maybe in one of the episodes, the room is dark and one person just goes and switches on the light switch, but everybody else that's doing the task thinks, oh, well, I must have to do this task in the dark because it's dark. But there's nothing on the task that says, you know, you must do this in the dark. So that's another thing is like, it reminds me of when you're in school, or this is how I remember doing it in in class, where there's like, you must read all the instructions on this page. And then the very last instruction is just write your name in the top right-hand corner, and then you're done. But if you don't do that, then you're answering all these questions and taking all this time to do it. And I guess it's supposed to teach you to, you know, read things carefully or not assume things or whatever. So there's that element to, to it as well, is that everybody approaches it different. Yeah, some of them are physical things. A lot of them are building things or or making somebody laugh or giving somebody food or, and, and you can ask for ingredients or things from, or go around, like you said, the house or outdoors. And sometimes people get people involved at least early on where you could call somebody and ask for help. Uh, but it's just, yeah, it's super funny, super creative. And then you're also getting tuned into, of course, there are comedians on there I was familiar with, and then a bunch of people I had no familiarity with at all. So I always loved that. And then that's how I started listening to the one of the podcasts that I know you re- really like. I can't think of what it's called right now uh, with um, Acaster and the other guy. Oh, Off Menu? Yeah, Off Menu. And yes. that, that's been a <laughs> lot of fun, too. Yeah. So if anybody hasn't checked out Taskmaster, you can find it on YouTube very easily. And there's like full episodes and full seasons. And it's just a blast. When I think about your paper mache and anything else, if you were going to just sort of throw out blue sky, I think they call it, I've never used that, blue sky like ideas or like collaborations or um, opportunities that you'd like to have as far as like either if it's a brand you'd want to shout out or just um, a location or just the kind of things you'd like to be doing more of and getting paid for, what kind of things would you like to share around that? What is coming to me right now is that I really want to work bigger. And I mostly mean that literally. And it has been a whole different kind of satisfaction working in 3D, making objects that are bigger than my body. I have not spent much time on that. And I think I really got caught up in social media and trying to be an artist and market myself online. And then I put a lot of energy into these small, fleeting, momentary digital drawings that were shared and were entertaining. But, you know, some got turned into products and some were for professional commissions. But spending time to make things in 3D in the real world that have a physical space to them and the time that it takes for something that, you know, has to dry and has to go through various stages reminds me that, you know, if I want to focus on bigger messages, like I can create bigger things for an environment where people have more time to consider them. So I'm really trying to get back to looking at gallery opportunities more or even you know group shows where I can send a piece here and send a piece there and 
I'm going to be doing whatever professional bits I have to keep existing and eating and whatnot. But I really like to spend as much time as I can on bigger pieces and creating installations. And maybe there'll be some overlap as I have more of that to share as an example with corporate commissions. But yeah, that's that's where I'm trying to put my energy. Cool. I don't quite yet know how to make all those pieces work. And uh, but that's that's what I'm hoping for. Awesome. I've been talking on the podcast about how I really enjoy coaching clients. And I still enjoy coaching creative clients and um, helping them make their creative visions come true or, or or expand. And then I'm also coaching myself and going like, what kind of creative stuff do you have going, Heidi? And you know, what's really inspiring to you? And, and I have enjoyed the self-reflection time that has been a gift during this last year. And I also really miss being in physical spaces. And and um, I love the idea of being able to see your big pieces at a gallery or, di- you know, different locations and in the physical space. And that'll be really fun. And, I, and I'm really excited to also get out into the physical world and <laughs> see people, even if it's touching elbow to elbow or whatever feels, you know, comfortable to folks. And yeah, just working in different creative mediums because it just hits you in different ways. And I think when I notice for sure, like when I'm kind of done with something creatively, like, oh, I really enjoy doing this for quite a while. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I don't even like I used to work at this coffee house and I managed it for four and a half years. Love the owner, still love the owner, still love the coffee house. But one day she came to me and she's like, I don't think you like this job anymore. (laughs) And it was true. I was like, oh, this reminds me of a breakup I had where the guy I was dating for about four and a half years said, I don't think we belong together. But it was hard to recognize because he was a good person. He's still a good person. And that job was a great job. And I still love that location. But I didn't love myself in it anymore. So I'm I'm feeling like transitional myself and, and it feels exciting. And I could definitely tell like when you want to make that the paper mache or whatever it is that's like giving you good juju at the time, it's like I really encourage everybody to just remember that you can always pivot and change and you don't have to feel like because my Instagram title says art, lettering, and illustration, that's all I do. <laughs> like it can always be changing. And uh, my my Instagram bio is constantly changing. It's always, I'm always mixing it up because you cannot describe your whole in a tiny little bio chunk. <laughs> For sure. Well, I think that's about everything that I wanted to cover. Is there anything else you want to talk about before? I, I want to share your handles as well, too, where people can can find you or connect with what you're up to. I think we we covered the good stuff for the most part. <laughs> oh, I miss talking to people about art. I can't wait to go to galleries and museums and visit people's studios and collaborate again. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, there's an art gallery here in the East Bay. It's called Inkblot, and it's a small, really great uh, little gallery. I mean, just a physical, the footprint of it is pretty small. They've just continued throughout the whole last year putting stuff up in the windows and, and, you know, just still having like, this is our show. You know, our show is these windows 
come by, check it out. And it, it's been really great, but it'll be really nice when they can officially open their doors again. It'll be awesome. Before we wrap up, where can people find you on the old internet? I use Instagram with the most frequency. So I'm Betty Turbo on Instagram, also BettyTurbo.com. But uh, I probably haven't updated that lately. <laughs> I'm on Facebook and Twitter too, but I barely look at them. And if this year has taught us anything, it's that let's use our time wisely and do the things <laughs> that feel good. So Instagram feels okay. And the rest feel kind of gross. So yeah. that, that's about it for now. That's cool. Yeah, I think for me, it's like, I like interacting with people most for sure on Instagram. And I love it. I still love it as a medium for sharing what I'm up to and keeping in touch with folks and seeing their art or whatever they're into. Oh, I have a Patreon too. I should probably say that. Oh, yeah, Betty cool. Turbo on Patreon. So that is where behind the scenes of my weird paper mache life live. And I occasionally write longer about things than Instagram allows. But awesome. I'm not super hardcore about it. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks for sharing that. Um, I'll share links in the show notes. Yeah, I have a Patreon as well. And there's a lot of interesting, fun um, tiers. I got really creative over there. So there's just like kind of your standard tiers where you get a shout out on the podcast. But then I also have like group cohorts for um, creatives if you want that online community and, and uh, accountability and all that stuff. I've got Zoom cocktail parties and, and all sorts of stuff. I based a lot of the, the names of the tiers on uh, parks and recreation uh, oh, characters and stuff too. <laughs> so that was another place to like stretch my creativity. Cool. Awesome. Well, I look forward to just keeping in touch and all that. And um, everybody, you can continue to enjoy conversations like this here on YouTube at Vibrant Visionaries Network. So please subscribe and share if you're enjoying this. And on the podcast, it's Vibrant Visionaries. So you can just go to vibrantvisionaries.com for all of that stuff. And that's where you can find the social handles and and the Patreon link and all that. And that's how you support the show and the podcast as well. And really appreciate that too. All right, Agnes. Thanks so much. Uh, it was great to catch up with you. It was really nice talking with you. Good to see your face. I'll yes. think of you when I hear Lizzo. Yay, Lizzo <laughs> buddies. Okay, everybody. Ciao. Bye. Thanks for listening to Vibrant Visionaries. This is Heidi Bennett, and this is my beloved podcast. I produce it, I host it, I book it, and have fantastic editing done by David Smith. Thank you so much, David. Find everything at vibrantvisionaries.com, including a link to our new YouTube channel, Vibrant Visionaries Network. There's even a link to our Patreon where you can join the Vibrant Visionaries community and support the podcast. You can also find me at HeidiBennett.com. Thanks for listening and ciao for now.